You mind if I pray for you? You mind if I pray for you guys a minute? Thank you for coming. Let's just come on over here. I'll put you. <laughs> so, everybody, Trisha and Kenny, everyone. Okay, now you guys have been formally introduced. <laughs> so, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you, you read through the Old Testament and when God sent his people out into battle, who went first? Worship, right? The singers. Like, there's something about that. And so, I know from talking to you guys, man, it's, it's been a journey, 2022. And so, I thought, man, let's stop and pray. And, uh, Elliot, you want to come up here, too, because you need all the prayer you can get, too. So, <laughs> uh, Lord, we humble ourselves before you uh, in a new year. I, I know it's another day. It's a calendar we made up, but every day is new with you. Your mercies are new every morning. Your forgiveness is just immeasurable. Your grace, your power, your mercy. Uh, so I pray for my brothers and my sister here, Lord, I it's not easy to do what it is they do, to go in front, to take on all the flaming arrows, to pave the way. And I sure appreciate that. So, Lord, I know that you give all the power, all the energy, all the supply that they need for what you ask them to do. So I pray that you would strengthen them fresh and new with your power, with your love, with your joy, with your heart for singing praises. Because uh, we just need it. We need them to go before us. So strengthen them, praise them, bless them, protect them and their families, Lord. Guide them in all the next steps and just grow them more to be like you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Yeah. See, because if not, then, you know, then you are completely unprepared for me to make you read out of, out of Scripture, right? So then it's... It's to our benefit that we, that we get into that place where it's like, man, I'm, I'm focusing on the Lord and his goodness. Guys, if you're just joining us, um, we are in the book of John. We're in John chapter 4, and we, we work through a book at a time here until we take detours. So I'm pretty bad about detours. We've been on quite a few. It's been a, a good road trip. But what's been happening, if you have been here, help us out. Who's the, what have we been talking about in, in chapter 4 more recently, about the woman at the where? At the well, okay. If you weren't here, you know that story. Where was the woman from? Samaria, right? So she was known as a Samaritan or the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. What do we know about the, about the Samaritans, the ones in Samaria? What do we know about them? They're outcasts. Why? What is that? Half-breeds? Yeah, is that what, you're going to say something different? Hybrid. Yeah, hybrid. So, so what you have is you have the Jews, right? And, and then as nations conquered and took them over, they intermarried, they mixed belief systems, they, they mixed races. And so here you are, this land of people, kind of in the middle of this landmass, and everyone around them kind of hated them, saw them as unclean and less, lesser, lesser people. Is that fair to say? Another little side note. If you're new with us today, I love the help. So you're, when I'm asking a question, I love the answer, not just, not just rhetorically. So you have to listen to me talk. That would be too boring. So that's kind of where we're at. Jesus has been talking to this Samaritan woman. Um, now, where I want to go with this section of Scripture today 
is, is this is something, and this is really birthed out of conversations we've been having at home too, is it's interesting because what I want to present to you initially is I see that this Samaritan woman did not know the love of God. And it's a great challenge that my wife has even made to me, like, Will, do you know, really know the love of God? And, and, and I saw this this week with this. I'm like, wow. The Samaritan woman did not know the love of God, but rather the judgment of religion. And the reason why I say that is to paint the picture briefly. In all her interaction with Jesus, she presented herself as a woman who saw herself as less. She began with like, man, I, what are you doing, a Jewish man talking one to a Samaritan and two to a woman? She saw two strikes on her behalf. She clearly knew all the, all the traditions of the Jewish fathers, right, in their conversation. But she saw herself as, as less than. She was, she was kind of uh, meek when she came towards them and kind of, kind of crushed, like, who am I and why would you talk to me? She also seemed very, like, hungry and thirsty for life, right? She wanted something more than what she had now. And the reason why is because you can look at it from a map. This nation of people, sure, some of them got swelled up with pride, but a lot of them, what they end up finding was just this sort of judgment. I mean, so much so. Could you imagine if you lived in a land where the best pathway to get from A to B was right right between your land and people made a special trip around just so they didn't have to be around you? It was that religion. You don't wash this way. You don't eat this way. You don't have this background, this genetics, this, this family history. So if I set that stage and now we go into verse 39. Chapter 4, 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in. Let's pause there a moment. What happened is, right, Jesus had this whole conversation with her the, his followers, his disciples came back. They started trying to get Jesus to eat and he had a whole lesson for them, okay? But meanwhile, this lady who came in the middle of the day to gather water, left her water pots and went back into the village and started telling people. And a lot of this is, you know, uh, conjecture or, or assumption, but clearly she was alone gathering water Right? She seemed to be a little bit outcasted, but she dropped that water and went and told the people what she had saw. Verse 39 tells us that many people in that land believed in pestuo ice, right? We learned a little while ago that, that this pestuo ice, what it really means is it's more than an intellectual acknowledgement, right? It is an intellectual acknowledgement, a believing that caused some kind of action. However, it wasn't so, such a strong faith that it was like a full dependence, right? It was kind of like the process. First you acknowledge it intellectually, then you believe it, and that belief causes some kind of action, right? And then once you really try it and test it, it becomes something you build your life on, that you lean on. Remember we had the yoga ball and I'm like leaning on it? That's the next level. 
So right now, these people heard what she said, and they were like, I believe enough to follow the lady who I wouldn't gather water with, but I will go check this out with her. So many Samaritans from that town believed in him. Him being who? Jesus. Okay, well, cool. Good, good, good church answer. That was good and safe. You guys all got those little Bible stickers right here on your shirt. Just imagine for, for remembering that. Um, because of the woman's testimony, she told them, right, what, what she experienced and what she did. And she said this, he told me all that I ever did. Now, let, let's stop a second here. Before I go forward, let's talk a little bit about the Samaritans. We started talking about that. Okay, understand this. The Samaritans, they had a Jewish heritage, right? So they saw their, their ancestry did link up at some point in time with all the Jews. And they, they actually studied, followed, accepted the Torah, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. So, so the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now you see what's missing there is some of the Jewish writings and all the prophets, right? So a lot of the, the prophet, prophecy about the Messiah, they didn't know. But they did know Deuteronomy. They did know that there was a Messiah to come, a prophet like Moses that would come for them. So they were also awaiting a Messiah to come, a, a prophet like Moses. And it auto-corrected Deuteronomy to debt somehow. I don't know what happened. It was transferred like three times, so we'll see. I'll show you, though. Deuteronomy 18. You can turn in your Bibles, click over in your Bibles, or make a note if you want. Also, we put these video, the videos of the sermons on, on YouTube so that you can go back and... and t- what was that verse that Will was talking about? So hopefully that helps. Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19. Who's writing this? Who? Moses, yeah, yeah. So like Moses was the guy, right? Like Abraham and to Moses, even if you were a Samaritan, you were like, yes. Right, she even threw that line at Jesus, like, you're gonna give me living water? I mean, who are you? How are you better than Jacob who gave us this well? Are you like gonna give us a better well? So they, they held them in high esteem. Verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. Okay, you guys catching this? This is a lot of words. But Moses is saying, guys, God himself is going to raise up a prophet like me in latter days, right? That, and here's what he will do. He'll be from your brothers, from our descendants. And I, being God, will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. You catch that? It's a little bit different words. But what they were waiting for is someone who would tell them everything. And what did the woman say? He told me everything. You kind of see how that would be exciting if that's what you'd been learning your entire life. Speak to them all that I commanded him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require of it of him. 
So, see, the, the Samaritans, they actually had a name. And I'll probably say it wrong, but this is my Prescott Valley accent. Tahib, okay? The Samaritans expected one that they called Tahib, which was the, the Messiah. And Tahib, it actually means he who comes or he who restores or returns. So this guy, Tahib, right, Jesus, what he would do is he'd reveal the hidden things. He told me everything about myself. You see that? And then he would offer a legitimate sacrifice at Bethel or at Mount Gerizim. And, where, and if you knew anything about the Samaritans, right? Okay, this is getting kind of brainy, so don't, don't gloss over. But just so that you know, they would worship on Mount Gerizim, right? The Jews themselves would worship in Jerusalem. And they argued about which was the right place. So they believed he was going to come to their home and offer legitimate sacrifice. And then the other thing he would do is he would separate the chosen from the rejected. Why do you think if you were a Samaritan that that would sound like music to your ears, that he would separate the chosen from the rejected? They were rejected, right? Yeah. Jesus kind of did that, huh? Jesus kind of still does that. Those people who feel not good enough, who feel rejected, who might not feel worthy, he brings them into his fold. He makes them legitimate. He makes them chosen. He takes away their rejection. He loves them. He accepts them. So if you're this lady who even the rejects reject you, like you're eating this stuff up. You're so excited about this that you drop everything, including the water you just hike to, to get because you got to get on that accepted side. The other thing that the, the uh, prophecy that they had is that he would return the tribes back to Israel. You see how good this would be? If you were living in this land, surrounded by your ancestors who didn't claim you, and like this guy's going to come, he's going to return you all. Like, yes, we can move back to Jerusalem. We can worship at the temple. We won't be unclean anymore. Like, this is exciting, Right? This is like great news. So, ah, man, could you get how excited this lady must be, man? No wonder she's like, drop that water, go back. And I don't care if you hate me. Let me tell you. He's come. He's going to return. He's going to restore. He told me everything. So many of the Samaritans heard this. They were also excited. It caused them to act because of what the woman said. He told me all that I ever did. Okay, have I, have I made a case of why you could link the two? Do you see that so far before we move forward? Cool. Yeah. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. What happened? right? Like, we can't forget that. We're reading through this. We don't have everything recorded. What did Jesus do? What did he say? Uh, Was there miracles involved? I don't know. But he stayed two days, and now more people were believing. He had this captive and ready audience because the circumstances of life prepared them. And many more believed because of his word. 
Verse 42, check this out. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is intended, or this is, I'm sorry, if I could read right. Let me read that again. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Hmm. Yeah. Possibly, right? So, yeah, she asked the question, even though they didn't really communicate or intermingle between the, you're saying like the Jews and the Samaritans, right? That they had got word about what's going on in Galilee? Possibly, possibly. What's really powerful about this, why I'm pausing here, is uh, what, and Brandy, you know, putting you on the spot here, right? Like, what I found, guys, church, the danger of what's happened is this. We have professional people that you pay to have experience in relationship with God. And then you come in and you hope that you'll glean something from their experience. And that's wrong. At least in America, it's very wrong. It's where we've gotten. And, and what happens here is it started with a, with a testimony of, this is what I went through. This is what I have. This is what happened. Here's what I experienced, who I met. And then they saw it for themselves. They experienced it for themselves. And they said, it doesn't matter anymore what you said. Let me tell you, I have a story now. Right? Wasn't that the whole point? Isn't that what the 12 disciples, they said, we were with Jesus. We saw him say this. We saw him do this. This is what I'm telling you. Here's what's happened. Do you see that? It's so cool how that works, and it shouldn't stop working like that. Even in Prescott Valley and Prescott and Dewey and Humboldt and Chino and Paulden, right? It should still work like that. You might hear me or someone else or they're singing about how good God is, but, but taste and know that he's good so that other people can say, you know what? We went from, okay, there is a Messiah, we knew that in our mind, to they heard this woman's testimony and they believed in Pestuo ice enough to get up and leave town and go talk to them. Now what they're doing is trying to walk with Jesus so they can get to, right, like Pestuo Epe, which is leaning on, like, oh man, like I can't, I, I'm falling if Jesus isn't any good, right? And that's where we want to get. But if you're not there day one, you don't destroy yourself over it. You don't quit. You have to say, Will, I might have believed more because of what you said, but now my belief is growing because of what I am experiencing with the Lord. And then they used this this saying, the Savior of the world. You know what's fascinating? This is the only time in the whole Gospel of John that that said. I didn't really realize that until I was studying it. But this is the only time it, it appears in John. It's also in Luke. But the rest of the Gospels, that's not what they're talking about. But this is what, this is what the Samaritans needed. They needed a rescue, a deliverer, a savior, someone who would move them from the life they're in into a better life. But John writes it about, about it again in 1 John. 
Well, why First John, Will? I'm really glad that you asked, Ruth, that question. So here's why First John, because something's happening when Jesus is walking with these men. Uh, he has not been crucified or sacrificed once and for all for our sins. He's not then been risen from the dead and ascended to heaven to where he's at the right hand of God in all, all control and authority. But by the time we're reading in 1 John, this is the reality in which John is talking about. Right? Because that's so cool. Isn't that a cool story that the Samaritans who were in need, who felt rejected, who didn't know the love of God, they'd only heard the tradition and the religion of God, and the religion left them out in the cold. Right? What's fascinating, a little side note, okay? I'll take a detour over here. If you weren't left in the cold by religion, it's harder for you. Because you're not thirsty or hungry. You're not seeking for something else. You think you have it. Right? You've been inoculated. It's like, it's like, I'm a Jew, so that's good. Like you, I'm a Christian. I grew up in the preschool. I'm good. You know religion, but do you know the Savior of the world? Do you know his love? So here's, here's how it applies to you. That's a cool story, right? Like you know that faith took off in that land because there was more than one person. It started with one person sharing, then other people checked it out and they saw that God was good. They saw that the Messiah had, had come back and they saw the truth that Jesus said. You want to argue about whether you worship in a temple in Jerusalem or on the mountain. You want to argue about church. You want to argue about which building you go to or what it looks like or what you wear or what the music is about the lighting, about the sound. You want to argue all about that. The day is coming and is here, what Jesus said, where you'll worship the Spirit and you'll worship God in spirit and truth and it won't matter where you worship Him. Well, that sounds nice. Not really. Because before you used to go to church and you're like, I'll be good there and then everywhere else I can do whatever I want. Sorry, you carry the temple of God everywhere that you go. In line at the grocery store, at night alone in your home, at your workplace. So it's a, it's a good news, bad news, great news. Like God doesn't live in this building. Only cockroaches do when you guys leave, okay? Right? So, and probably mice and who knows what else. Transients who break in, I, I don't know. But, but God doesn't live here. He lives in you and he comes. And so Jesus is savior of the world we need. And if you don't realize that, then you need to realize that. So here's what John wrote. First John, you can click over, flip over. First John chapter 4, beginning with verse 14. And we have seen and testify that the... Wait a second. And we have seen and testify. You see that? Well, Jesus said... He didn't say, Jesus said this. For the Bible told me so, right? Like we don't just say Jesus said that so it's true. We said, no, we've seen it. And I can tell you for a fact that the father did send his son, which is who? Jesus is the son of God. That's what they're saying. And the reason he came is to save the world. And we're not talking a recycling program, okay? We're talking the people of the world, right? The people, the groups of people, all the nations. He came, all those cosmoses, all those systems that we could be saved by Jesus. 
Now, if he needed to send a savior, then it, it's an old truth. Then what? We needed rescue. We needed saving. So those who know they need saving, like the Samaritans, humble themselves and they get rescued. Those who are like, no, I'm good to swim, they drowned. And then John goes on to say, verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Okay, that's like 17 sermons right there. We're not even going to dig into that. But do you see that dynamic? God lives in you. So in turn, you become part of him and you live in him. And so often, being a religious kid, I need that reminder. Did you even ask God for help? Well, no, I figured I would do it myself. Right? Like the most obvious thing, the last thing that a religious person does is actually ask God for direction and help. So the Son of God, right? God abides in him. God abides in me and, and me and God. That's, that's just crazy. I don't have time to get into that right now. 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Man, they've come to know it. Have you come to know it? Like, if you're being honest, write that down. Have you come to know it? Do you realize the love of God? That might be all the homework you can get. That's the best homework you could get. Okay. I'll keep going, though. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So it's confusing, right? But God is love. So all the things that's talked about in love, right? It, you can see it in 1 Corinthians and other places, right? Love is patient. Love is kind, right? It, it doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It doesn't hold grudges, right? It forgives all things. You go through the whole list. Everything that's doing that is from the Father. And when you abide in Him, that's, what, that's how you're supposed to act, of course, the power to do that's the Holy Spirit, so that's a whole other conversation of this. But God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because he is so, also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Once again, guys, it's such a rich scripture, but the idea of fear and love. Why wouldn't there be fear and love? Briefly. Because nothing else matters? What else? Why, why shouldn't there be fear when it comes to love? What's that? I'm sorry? Because fear has to do with punishment. What else? And love has to do with love, acceptance, and faith, right? Is that what you said? Or belief? Yeah. If, if you love somebody, you trust them, you don't fear them. Yeah. What was over here? Fear is faithless. Love completes us. Yeah. Sometimes I see people's face and like, Tim, what's something you want to say? No, okay. <laughs> Brandy, what about you? No? Yeah. Confidence in God's love or confidence in your husband's love? Yeah. 
unconditional, that the love is unconditional, right? Because Paul gets into that later in his letters. He's like, guys, listen, I know that people will hurt you, right? And I know that evil, just as much as good, maybe even more so, uses people to perpetuate evil. And a lot of evil comes from people's own selfish desires and fear, right? But, but Paul was like, listen, why are you afraid, right? Because like, what is the worst that another person can do to you? What is the worst? Kill your body. But they can't kill that which is you, right? And I don't know. I think, I think we think that living is the best thing, right? That's why we ask questions, well, why does good people die young? Or why does a baby die young? If we had a different way of thinking, we'd be like, lucky, right? Like, yeah. Uh, Right? Like I remember a couple spouses that I've done funerals for. They're like, dang it, they got to go before me. Right? Like, cheater, they got to go first. Right? Now I'm stuck here paying bills and working and aching every time I get out of bed. What were you going to say? For fear has to do with punishment. Our punishment's been taken care of on the cross. Yeah, so do you see this? So what it's saying is like, oh man, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. And really, the only place you're going to get perfect love is where? Christ, right? Like the best you can do is like if you're a a dad or a husband or a mom or a wife or a sister or a daughter, the best you can do is like, Lord, I need all of your love overflowing out of me because the love I can give is produces fear because it's not perfect. And if there isn't the overlay of God's love on you, that, man, you aren't rejected and forgotten. God created you. See, what what I hear from you guys is whether you know it or not, deep down inside, you know this isn't right. Right? All of this isn't right. Like, what you see going on in the world, in our bodies, in our thoughts, in culture, in the environment, in everything that concerns people. Like, you just know it's not right. Like, we didn't need to add corn to that or sugar to make it more profitable, right? Like, oh, man, yeah. You mean I got to use substances to wake me up in the morning and then to make me go to sleep at night? Like, that can't be right. Money is not God. Like, why are you, like, living to grow and then you get to a certain point and you just all of a sudden you start dying, right? Like, like, this is not good. Like, I just finally got grown and now I'm dying, right? Hair's falling out. Everything's starting to ache. You know it's not right. So there's a longing that every person should have for that perfect love. Because fear has to do with punishment. And religion, the Jews told the Samaritans, it doesn't matter how faithful you are to God because you had ancestors who didn't believe in him. You are dirty, you are filthy, you are hopeless. I can't even talk to you. And Jesus said, I made you. I was there when the world began. I know you, I love you, I've come to restore. I've come to return. I've come to save and rescue you. What an awesome message. Can you take some more? That has so many words just to say this. I think in all of our knowing that this is not right and not complete, can we all come to this agreement? We have need. 
You think so? You think we have need? And everyone's circumstance is a little different. I, I get that. So I can do the whole list 10 things and then it, it hits your category and you cry. That, that's not helpful, okay? I'll trust the Holy Spirit for that right now. But, but what I'll say is we know that there's need, but do you know that there's a savior, a rescuer, a returner, a restorer, a healer, the one who breaks chains, and builds love and changes hearts and changes minds. That's awesome. But John doesn't leave it there. He says, you know, all the love that you can have, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom has who he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Does that make sense? Right? It just, it makes sense. Like, oh, you see them every day and you can't love them? Like, how can you love me, this God you don't see? Like, oh, loving God is loving people, right? He even goes on to say in different, different scriptures, like, man, the whole world is going to know you how? By your love. <laughs> poll, poll Americans. <laughs> how will you know Christians? What percentage would say, by their love? <laughs> I wonder what the percentage is. I'm sure somebody took that poll uh, to prove some kind of point. But anyway, I guess it would be low. But how can you not love your brother? So as you accept that love from Jesus, like you don't just sit in it. You share it. Right? Like her, she didn't say, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to go home and hang out alone in my house for a while. I'm going to make up some coffee and like, you know, read Jesus Calling and just hang out on my own, right? She, she was like, guys, guess what? What are you doing, crazy lady? Like, no, I, I'm telling you, the Messiah, the one we're waiting for, he's here. It's probably all going to happen. What? Yeah, he told me everything. Whatever happened in the past, she dropped to share God's love. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Ah, Will, I don't like that. Can't we separate it? Can we make that like a 101 and a 202 class? Wouldn't that be easier? Can we just stay in 101 where we just talk about all the warm fuzzies of God loving us? No. Why not? Because even John, by the influence of the Holy Spirit, didn't separate that. So sometimes when we're going through a book, (coughs) you read a story and at the end you think, wow, powerful story. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm choking on myself. Um, We read a a story, we're like, oh, powerful story, this is really cool, or or we, we get something out of it, or can I look at the history? Let's examine this, or the prophecy, right? And never look back at ourselves. Right? So instead, I think we have to kind of look at this story. We're coming to the end now, at long last, of this story with the Samaritan woman. What would you say this story was about? What's the takeaway? What goes on the coffee mug? Or on the magnet on your refrigerator? What's that? She was accepted. Yeah. For... 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yeah, there's more good ones. Come on. What's that? She was unaccepted and now she's accepted. Light overcame the darkness. It also brings to light, there's, when we're excited about a, a new truth, there's an importance to share. Sure. And, and anytime you share, right, the danger is this. I don't know enough to share. Well, it's because you've been taught to share wrong. Only share what you've experienced. Like, I don't know what this means, but every time I wear yellow shoes, it's a great day, right? Okay, go ahead. Now, now someone else can wear yellow shoes. It might not work for them, but maybe that's what you have to share. I know it's from God. I don't get it, but I'm having a great day. Please, asterisk, okay, small print. God doesn't bless you because you wear yellow shoes. I'm just, I'm, I'm using an extreme example. But we're just like, I, I'm no pastor. Drop that. Like, work me out of a job, okay? Do it, please. I'll, I'll do something else. Like, share what you know, what you've experienced, that the rescue or the Savior has come for you. Because even though you're not that Samaritan or that Jew, you are you. And you have a unique set of circumstances and challenges and a unique calling and mission in your life. What other, what other lessons from this? These are better than I would say, yeah. I think it just ends there, right? Like, they knew him, and then they continued pursuing him, so it wasn't just the knowing, it was the action. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so Ruth was just saying, it, you know, not only did they kind of meet him and, and believe, but they kept going, right? They kept going in that pursuit, in that relationship, and they knew him more and more. If not, that faith wouldn't have, transformed the whole world, which it did. Yeah, and it, and it was that exact thing. And that's, because I know you weren't here that week, but we were even looking at the different ways they use that pastuo word, what they put before and after it. it. There's different levels of belief from like, oh, I acknowledge that, to I'm starting to trust in it and take steps, and to like, I'm fully reliant. There's different ways, and it's a, it really is a process. And, and the Holy Spirit can supernaturally just give you a faith that like jumps, I get that. But if that's not where you're at, you keep that relationship going. Yeah, very good. What else? We're not called to judge, we're called to witness. Yeah? Yeah. So, okay, so now bring it home. Okay? Bring it home. Prescott Valley, Prescott, Dewey. This is, this is the last thing that we really need to do. What are you trying to teach us? follow yeah trust the lord to explore explore what his word what else to explore his love as well yeah someone else said something testify it do you have something you're gonna say if you can't trust God, who do you trust? Accept others and not look on the outside. Yeah. Live what you believe. <laughs> yeah, she thought of the little children's song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
Reflecting Jesus when we encounter him, is that what you said? When we are encountering other people, yeah. Let me bring back something I said at the beginning. And here's what I'd like to leave with, and then we'll, we'll take communion. <clears throat> I see with this lady that, that religion, I'll, I'll use that word for it, right? Man-made practices and principles and rules that we make to try to get to God, okay? This religion, that what it caused is division and people judging each other. And it created an environment where many people could not even receive God's love. Now, I observe that still happening now. Do you? Do you see that happening? Do you guys here in the center see that happening? Do you guys see that happening? Um, I know it because I feel that fight. That, that fight says, but God, what I've done or the mistakes I've made or my shortcomings tell me <clears throat> that you, you couldn't accept me like that. Right? Anyone else? You can, you can struggle with that. Or, or where I've come from, <clears throat> you don't understand. And we see that so we can, we can relate to the Samaritans when it feels like, oh man, like, we have all this information, but we don't have all this transformation. We have all this tradition, and we, we know in our mind, but we won't believe in our hearts that God is good and his, his intentions are, good, are for our good and his love is powerful. And so we either run or we fake it. So like I said at the beginning, I feel like the Samaritan woman didn't know the love of God, but she knew the judgment of religion. And I would say that we, many of us, don't know the love of God. And and like I said, it's something my wife has really challenged me with because we see this again and again, but we know the judgment in the rules of religion. And we either embrace those and we begin to say, well, you can't do that. Or we... I can't be around Christians because they're a bunch of hypocrites. Where I think the experience is this. I want to invite you into this. uh, What we would call communion. And and there's two pieces of this. And why this is really powerful with a message like this is we're going to let you just come take it at your leisure. And and that way when, when they come on up and they'll play some music for you, I want you to reflect in this. Use your imagination because I think that's powerful. God gave it to you. Excuse me. Um, Use your imagination and sit with God because you are with him and he's with you if you've believed. If not, you know what? Come see me. We can talk about that too. But if you believe, you have an opportunity to say, yes, it's true. There's stuff in my past that I'm not excited about. There's a place I came from that I'm not happy about. Or you know what? You're right, Will. I'm so caught up on doing the right thing, I don't ever just accept God's love because he made me. Warts and all. Here's the equalizer right here. 
Not that it doesn't matter, but that's not the end of the story. See, there's something that happened, and every time we do this, we remember that. See, this this grape juice here, it, it signifies the blood of Jesus. And every time that we drink this for this purpose, we remember that everything that we did, everything that was done to us could be washed away by his blood. I want a bigger cup, Dennis, right? Right? And then, so when we drink that, it's like, yes, Jesus, because it is true. I haven't always done the right thing. I, I need to drink that up, and I know that you've cleansed me. I ask you, cleanse me from all of that. And then this cracker here, it, it simplifi- simplifi- uh, symbolizes, I'm sorry, his body, which was broken for us. He was broken for what? For our transgressions. Like he paid, death re- was required to pay for sin. He did it. And then when you're done, then it's simply just that, thank you, God. So what if instead of relying on a calendar to say, ooh, it's a new year, I have a new chance. What if we relied on a savior to say, ooh, it's a savior whose mercy is new every day. And I have a new chance to receive his love and share it with the world around me. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you. To set, to set aside a Samaritan woman who was shunned by her culture, a culture which was shunned by your people, and you used her, and you're still using her thousands of years later. Lord, we come to you. We, we know that you love us, that you were there when we were made. If we don't like anything about who we are, Lord, you love us anyway. And you love us so much, you don't want us to stay there. So Lord, as we sit here and we look at these and we we drink this juice and we, we remember that your blood washed away our sins and we eat this cracker, we remember that your body was broken to pay for our sin. We say thank you. Lord, help us to receive your love. Keep working. Keep coming where you're working for us in our life and where you're coming for us in our life, Lord. Keep bringing your truth and your love that will cast out all fear, that will cast out all judgment. So Lord, I just give this time of real worship where we humble ourselves and we're honest. We're not hiding. We're not pretending. We come to our Lord and we, we confess where we have failed We ask for your strength and direction going forward. And we can do this because of you, Jesus. Because of your name and your power and your love and your victory. Amen.